0: Hello, and welcome to the EIU Digital Economy podcast. My name is Pete Swaby. This month, we're looking at the evolution of work in the digital economy and what it means for managers. Few jobs in the developed economies have been unaffected by digitization. Not only has digital technology changed the work that we do and how and where we do it, it is also transforming the way in which companies source labor and find talent. What does this shift in working patterns mean for managers? Is the traditional conception of what a manager does and who is eligible to be a manager still relevant? To explore these questions, I spoke to three people who are witnessing this shift from different angles. Gavin Gologli, Head of Digital for Asia at Canadian Insurer Sun Life Financial. Marina Chan, Director of Education at the MIT Innovation Node in Hong Kong. And Sui Yang Fang, Managing Director for Hong Kong at Nest, an accelerator that helps high-growth startups collaborate with corporates. We started by discussing the impact of digitization on employees before moving on to the evolution of management and how our guests' own management styles are changing. The EIU Digital Economy Podcast is sponsored by DXC, an independent IT services company that specializes in digital transformation. We thank them for their support. So I'd like to start with you, Gavin. Uh, what has digitization meant for Sun Life so far? And in particular, what has it meant for the working lives of the employees of the company?
1: Sun Life probably started its, its journey on digitization a little bit later than a lot of insurers. Um, we started sort of a three year roadmap um, back in 2016, and that focus was on strategic builds uh, and platform builds for our clients, uh, distribution partners um, and for um, our our part some of our partners um, and um, also look at digital marketing excellence on data and analytics um, and how we attach design to our identity it's important to talk about this because you need to define digital and and understand the impact it's going to have on the employees that you have but also the kind of talent and skill that you need to hire Um, since we started that roadmap there's also been a focus on uh, operational efficiency, on uh, change management frameworks, and also on on digital culture and mindset. Um, From my own perspective, I've hired quite a number of individuals in the data analytics field, and also in the digital practices of experience, of marketing, and in distribution. From an impact perspective and the kind of people we hire, obviously, um, there's a focus on certain methodologies, on, on agile, on design thinking, and I think it's that reinvention of the client experiences where there are a lot of focus has happened, and a lot of um, the, sort of the hires that we are we are looking at. From a sort of impact on on a lot of the employee base, we've obviously seen um, the uh, event of um, robotic processing automation and, and uh, desktop automation, and that will have a, a profound impact, I think, on some of our employees um, who perhaps do more. Uh, mundane tasks, uh, uh, things that can be mimicked by robots. And that's an area where we obviously re reskill as well. Uh, on the skill set perspective, I think digital transformation challenges the very concept of career paths. We are looking for people who are comfortable with uncertainty, people who uh, uh, want to extensively increase their skills and sort of engage in lifelong uh, learning.
0: That's great. So I'm interested what you said there, uh, about digital transformation questioning the notions of a career path. What, what, what do you mean by that? Uh, do you mean that uh, the career paths will be different or, or even just the very concept of a, a, a career path may no longer be relevant?
1: Uh, it, it may not be relevant. I think we, we are looking at people who may change their careers many, many times. Um, and obviously the agility and the innovative capacity of any organisation is based on the people. Um, I do... Uh, hire a lot of people, I do interview a lot of people and people who have four or five jobs and they're only 30 years of age right? and so um, and that's good and it's bad from a, from a sort of a, 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 a bad perspective perhaps those core digital competencies are, are not there, people are probably switching a little bit too quick but then from a good perspective the pros are people getting a lot of experience in a lot of different industries and they are the kind of people that we, we do require uh, as part of our transformation journey Great. Thank you.
0: Marina, uh, your work at the uh, MIT Innovation Node in Hong Kong means you're helping young people prefer- prepare for the working world of the future. W- what skills do you focus on and how do you help them develop those skills?
2: Well, Pete, a lot of our skills that we try to develop in our students very much echo some of um, Gavin's concerns um, in the corporate world. So um, at the core of um, for our education, it's really about teaching students to become better collaborative problem solvers. Um, we do this using a human-centric approach um, where students then learn about the importance of empathy, of understanding uh, customer pain points, to then draw insights. So uh, ultimately, you know, this raises their sensitivity to the world around them. Um, you know, we want students and uh, you know, future uh, employees to start noticing nuances as they interact with people and systems. To ultimately emerge ways to challenge the status quo. And that's important because when people have that curiosity, um, then they start asking, you know, why are we doing it this way? And what if we do it another way? And that's really what sparks innovation. Um, right now, we are the modality in which we deliver this type of content is through a startup simulation experience. Uh, we draw on MIT's Discipline Entrepreneurship Framework, which was developed out of the Martin Trust Center for MIT Entrepreneurship. And uh, using this 24-step process, we actually take students through an immersive boot camp where they um, come together as strangers, they have to form teams, they have to um, you know, find a problem to solve, they have to then um, you know, go deep into drawing customer insights through primary market research. And ultimately, um, offering solutions with uh, you know inspirations from technology and design, uh, you know, to meet those particular needs, and that all culminates in a showcase where they then have to pitch in front of a large audience and, and get you know critique and feedback from a panel of judges. And uh, you know, all this takes stamina, takes teamwork, it takes getting out of your comfort zone. But you know, in reality, if you are to thrive. Uh, in, in, in the future, then you know these are the skill sets that we think are important for students to develop.
0: So, so you mentioned uh, collaboration there a couple of times. Why do you think collaboration is especially important in the context of digital innovation? H- haven't we always had to work together? Why is collaboration emerging now as a, a particular skill set?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Yes I mean when we talk about teamwork it's all about collaboration, but it's more important now than ever because of the pace of change and you know we have these digital tools that we can work with to you know solve problems better, faster, cheaper and the importance of working in collaborate uh, collaborative teams that have you know multidisciplinary um, you know characteristics um, is extremely important so even when we when we run these boot camps we we ask our students to you know, form teams, of course, form teams around a problem that you're passionate in solving, but first and foremost, look at your team composition. Make sure you guys have, you know, what we call the hacker, hipster, hustlers. So hackers are typically the technologists, you know, they may be um, the ones with engineering backgrounds, um, you know, to hack through the technology for coding, um, for, um, you know, connected hardware systems design. We, you know, encourage the team to also have, you know, hipster, that's the person with more of a, you know, UX, UI perspective. Uh, And we also encourage teams to have that hustler. So mostly folks from the business realm, you know, who can really, you know, make the deals, you know, get the connections. So the combination of these three characteristics loosely are, you know, what we have observed as sort of the essence of, you know, um, great founding teams and, you know, teams that will get things done and will be able to, uh, you know, hash through a problem um, in in a very agile way.
0: That's great. Do Do you find people identify themselves as as hipsters, hackers, and hucksters in equal measure, or or are some more popular than others? Does everyone want to be a hacker, or everyone want to be a hipster?
2: Well, to be honest, every one of us um, have at least one. It's just our tendencies, and that could be you know inferred by. Um, our own, uh, you know, academic disciplines. It could be based off of our interests. So we do see, let's say, engineering students that come through our program. We may see them as a hacker on paper, but you know, they're actually, you know, amazing hustlers as well. So it really depends. And, and we we provide this platform, this two-week bootcamp, to get students to experiment with different roles um, and and be able to do that uh, safely, and uh, in, in, in a way that you know they can learn from peers, they can learn more um, about themselves through this process.
0: Sweet. Uh, at Nest, you, you work with and invest in a number of digital startups, and, and they are arguably defining the, the working practices that many of us will, will encounter and uh, adopt in the future. Can you tell us about how they recruit digital talent, in your experience? Wh- what are they looking for beyond simply technical skill?
3: it's an interesting question Uh, and just a point about technical skill we've been talking about uh, the ways uh, and the academic profiles of the different uh, types of uh, founders or even employees that startups employ Uh, it's very difficult at the moment to get a lot of these technical skills uh, in particular um, for data scientists uh, and those that work in uh, artificial intelligence very hard to find and and, uh, very difficult to to employ i i think Outside of the technical skills, um, we work with a range of startups through our programs. Um, and these programs invite startups globally to come into our local markets in Asia, Middle East, and Africa to cooperate and collaborate with the likes of SunLife, the large corporates in these markets on particular problem sets. As we work with them, one of the things that we see across the board is the need to hire not experts, but fast learners. Um, and Gavin spoke about it eloquently before to have uh, that curiosity um, or the career that is not having a single path but a branch out of paths that take you based on your experience and your passion. Um, I, I think, you know, Marina talked about the pace at which things are changing um, and add to that the complexity uh, in our current ecosystem or, or um, economy. The, the fact that any one person will never have a single role in, in a company and will have to wear multiple hats means that everyone needs to be constantly learning. And, and frankly, you need to enjoy that sort of learning if you want to be part of this ecosystem.
0: Great. Uh, and, and what would you say is the key to engaging and motivating young digital talent? What, what techniques do startups typically use to get the best out of their, their workers?
3: I think the first thing to to say is that it's different than it used to be. Um, What we see now uh, as a shift uh, towards, as I mentioned, uh, those that are looking for experiences, a journey, um, a learning, are motivated by things like values and purpose and not so much about status um, and not so much by salary. What that means is when you're managing these uh, or the next generation, you need to invest a lot in the relationship, Uh, you need to spend time and to understand what drives them, um, what they believe in, uh, and how they want to communicate uh, along those lines. So as we move towards uh, a values-based or an experience-based career, you need to understand what drives a person innately instead of, as I said in the old days, being able to rise up the corporate ladder, to get to a better um, position, so-called, or get to a higher salary.
0: So I'd like to move on to the implications for the trends that we've been discussing for management and managers. So what it really means to be a manager in the digital economy and and what are the capabilities that managers will increasingly need. Gavin, we we spoke about the implications of digitalization on employees uh, in your company, but what impact has it had on the management culture in, in Sun Life? on the management role and the, the capabilities that they need.
1: Right, so I think we, we'd all like sort of the people that Swee and Marina talk about uh, within our management culture, but Sun Life is 100 years plus old, and it has um, managers who perhaps are 30-, 40-year insurance veterans. And so how do we take their their knowledge, their experience, but also apply, um, you know, digital to that um, and to accelerate our journey? Um, i think it's hard to enable anything so we look at digital as an, as an enabler it's hard to enable it if you don't truly understand uh, stand that piece so uh, my, myself and, our, and my team we put a lot of focus on sort of education uh, around sort of certain practices on on agile on design thinking uh, for our, digi- our our chief marketing officers we put them all on five month uh, digital courses and so this is really trying to to uh, get across, um, you know, some is just around the the terminology, but also sort of the the benefits of digitization. I think it's important to understand um, how the culture is changing in a traditional organization and what is the very definition of of culture. I I saw it mentioned somewhere, it's the sum of employee experiences. So if that is the take on, on culture, then I think as managers, they need to understand those experiences, particularly for millennials as they join an insurance company. And they need to adapt their styles, but that says there's sort of a counterpoint here. Um, we do need to get the right the right mix. So we do want to get those innovators into the organisation, but we also need people who truly understand it is an insurance organisation, life insurance. It perhaps does not move at the speed we would like it to move at, and that there will be frustrations if you come in with a mindset of a startup, and and and. Um, I think we will get there, but it is a journey, so perhaps we are at this stage looking for people who can sort of balance, um, you know, digital transformation and and sort of insurance knowledge. But we are hiring many people from outside the industry as well. Great. So, Marina, what, what is
0: your experience uh, working with uh, young innovators and, and encouraging them to work together? What has that told you about the way managers can foster that kind of collaborative innovation in their teams? And indeed, is there even a role for a manager or a leader in those teams if they are truly collaborative?
2: Sure. So um, I'll take your first question first. Um, so, I mean, we've ran these boot camps um, eight times over the past two years. So we have actually had, we actually have, you know, amassed critical information and data in terms of what what, what we've seen has worked well. I think first and foremost, uh, you know, it's about the team working in interdisciplinary teams. Um, creating healthy team dynamics from the very beginning, from the ideation process up until, uh, you know, the, the the final solution and the execution. That's vitally important. And, you know, I can't emphasize that enough. You know, oftentimes we have teams that come in, you know, they're very friendly, um, but, you know, they hit a brick wall and every team hits a brick wall. And we call that the moment of pivoting when they realize either, um, you know, th- uh, the problem that they want to solve is not a real problem or, you know, the, the market's not big enough or the problem solution fit is not there. How do these teams, you know, um, how do they, you know, quickly switch gears and move into another market or, you know, try to tackle another problem space effectively and quickly? So it's about that agile team. Um, also creating communication is, is vital. Um, an environment where, you know, ideas are given a chance to be built on rather than being thrown out the window at the first int- instance so that needs you know quite a bit of balance there um, and we do find cross-cultural differences in communication styles uh, when we work with students from mit and also from hong kong uh, and we do make it a point to you know surface those differences and have them talk through uh, you know to set the tone for effective communication um, also in, in any team it's important to establish clear roles and responsibilities especially when uh, in this day and age you know teams are small they're agile and many people in the team will wear more than one hat um, it's you know it's important to establish the accountability the responsibility um, and to communicate you know any any updates within the team that's important so yeah I would say um, yeah in- interdisciplinary teams um, teams that are agile, quick to fail, quick to learn from their failures, and, and quick to iterate towards a better solution.
0: Is there a role for, for, for management in that? Um, is, if I'm a, um, a team leader and I want to, to kind of foster that kind of innovation among my team, is the idea to stand back, or can I take an active role in, in encouraging it and um, uh, promoting that kind of multidisciplinary innovation?
2: Sure, absolutely. I think um, you know managers today—they uh, would be great in a facilitation role, where they are community builders and effectively cheerleaders uh, to help their team, you know, progress towards innovation. I mean, uh, there's this networking phenomenon with innovation when you have many people come together with ideas. Uh, you know, something inevitably hatches. So, in addition to what I mentioned earlier about the hacker, hipster, hustler combo, I would think. You know, managers would be great hatchers as well, like the hatcher sort of ideas. You know, where where ideas are seeded, and they then you know bring these ideas into the team, and the team can work out through you know the noise and all the you know nuances to actually effectively execute and bring about a solution. Um, so yeah, th- th- I think you know having com- managers build community that's extremely important, and also to you know to really. Um, internalize that entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, you know, if they cannot model for their team, it's going to be hard for, for, for teams to you know follow that fo- follow that leader. So I would also encourage managers of the future to really take on a more um, kind of a, a a little bit more of a risk taking role. Um, when we teach entrepreneurship, we tell our students you know it's really about um, building up um, you know skills of a Navy Seal. But also having that spirit of a pirate, so in in the latter part you're really you know venturing into new territories, bringing your team you know to push the frontiers of it could be technology it could also be you know pushing the new frontiers of systems in general um, and you know being able to wear that hat as captain of that pirate ship is you know is vital and I think um, you know having managers adopt that type of mindset would, would definitely uh, you know, benefit the teams that are working with them.
1: Pete, if I could uh, just add to Marina's point on this, I mean, I think one of the role of management is is almost to create a movement, is to bring people on this this change journey, and I understand it's not just digital transformation; it is, it's business transformation. And I, I think the role is really to convince people that it's good for the client, it's good for the organisation, and
3: it's actually truly good for the individual to pick up on something that Gavin said earlier actually, is this notion of the ability to be comfortable with uncertainty. And what we've experienced at Nest, when we work with large corporates that are looking to innovate, is that a lot of the corporates have innate cultures that are built about efficiency, about process, about risk management. Whereas when we're talking about the digital ecosystem or the new economy, these things are flipped around. You need to look at opportunities. You need to be able to fail. And a lot of the times, what we strongly believe is that if managers, and especially senior managers, can lead from the front and explicitly say, guys, if we don't try, this is never gonna work. And as a corollary to that, if we fail, sometimes it's okay. And so this notion that in the old days, failure is not an option goes out the window uh, you know, failure nowadays is a necessity. And so what I'd really suggest is thinking about how we can embrace it by doing um, and by leading uh, by talking about uncertainty in a positive way.
0: Uh, do you think that, um, that appetite or comfort with ambiguity and uncertainty is <clears throat> something that leaders can cultivate or is it an innate personal quality that you've either got or, or you haven't?
2: So over at MIT, uh, our managing director and uh, professor of practice from the Martin Trust Center, Bill Ouellette, he believes that entrepreneurship can be taught. So sure, you know, we are born with certain dispositions and characteristics, but entrepreneurship can be learned. And, you know, when when employees are, you know, uh, trained and groomed and if they have, you know, good leaders to aspire to, they themselves can develop. These, you know, characteristics that will then, you know, lead their teams, you know, towards innovation. And you know, I agree with Sue earlier about the need for, you know, failure. We we hear that word a lot nowadays, um, but you know, it's an integral part of, you know, that innovation process. It's it's built in. Um, you know, we can call it failure. We can call it pivoting. We can call it iteration. There's so many different words that we can assign to it. Um, but it's in effect it's you know learning from something and being able to improve on that
1: there there is a um, a counterpoint to some of this though and and that is if you've always done what you do then uh, there is a a real chance of sort of transformation fatigue even before you start the journey right and I think one of my roles is obviously to try and and stop that from from happening Um, it is super important that our leaders understand that, you know, to, to all your points, that um, if we don't change, if we don't adopt these practices, then we're in very real, real trouble. Sui, I,
0: I know you work with a lot of uh, corporations who come to you to, for help in uh, investing in and more generally accessing um, uh, the, the startup ecosystem and, and understanding the, the, their approach to digital innovation. To what extent do you think it's possible for uh, large traditional organizations to adopt that way of working? And if so, how have you seen it work successfully? What is the key to successfully adopting
3: that approach? I I think it's absolutely possible. Um, And I say that from experience, because I've seen it happen. Um, At Nest, we actually foster innovation by working with large corporates to help them adopt new technologies as they collaborate with startups. And we run structured programs so that these are tangible and lead to commercial outcomes. I think what we've seen and experienced is that in order to have a transformative experience for either senior management or working level teams is that it needs to be tangible and it needs to be real. And so we focus even before we speak to startups about finding business critical needs, problems or opportunities that startups can come in with their technologies to come and solve. Once we have that and once we run these structured programs, again, dedicated or um, uh, bespoke for any uh, corporate that we work with, we see that at the working level, because you're learning by doing, your mindset starts to change. Uh, And let me give you a couple of examples. When the working level team starts to interact with the startup and sees new technologies, they start to become curious and they say, okay, fine, this technology can uh, help support me on this problem statement. But then what is fascinating is that I hear without prompt that the business units would also say, oh, could you also do something else that helps me in a different way? So that naturally expands the conversation and, and starts to challenge their own set of thinking, uh, thoughts uh, or their own set of assumptions as to what technology can do. Great.
0: so. So uh, I'd like to, to make this a little bit more personal, perhaps, and ask how how each of you, how your own approach to management has evolved um, in response to the, the the trend of digital transformation over the last 10, perhaps 20 years. Uh, can I start
1: with you, Gavin? Sure, Pete. Uh, so um, I built my first website in 1994, right, um, for perhaps for some people in the studio who, who weren't born at that point. And um, I, I think, um, you know, the area is so broad. I talked about data and analytics, um, you know, digital marketing, digital experience, digital distribution, and, and you know, AI and, and uh, agile methodologies. So it's really hard to, to, to stay on top of all of this. If I score myself out of 10, I'd say I'm probably a six out of 10 on my knowledge of digital. And I sort of have to be uncomfortable with that, that sort of uncertainty, and, and I've got to put trust in the people. And I think digital transformation, I would have thought many years ago, was very much around technology. I think I've sort of grown to understand it is truly about people. It's about change, um, it's about target operating models. So I put a huge amount of trust in, in the people uh, who I have hired. Um, I learned from them, they inspire me. Uh, I have some really true uh, leaders on my team and, and Sun Life has in, in general. Um, I guess for sort of, you would ask around say, guidance and inspiration, um, I attend a lot of conferences. Um, I speak at some, I've chaired some, and I I listen. But I think it's important um, for me to understand how I can take that back into the Sun Life world. So you know, recently, as an example, I heard someone talk about uh, understanding the problem. So how do do I take that into Sun Life? And and, and perhaps the way I reflect on that is how do we fall in love with the problem? And, And let's take, say, chatbot technology as an example. So nobody wants to talk to a chatbot. Nobody wakes up and says, a chatbot is better than a human. But in the right use case, in the right application, a chatbot um, can make um, a huge difference um, in in speed uh, and access access to data. Um, so I think um, that um, has uh, impacts me. Um, I also take inspiration from my from my own children. Um, in, in what way? Uh, pretty around simple language. If you if you uh, are a parent you truly understand that uh, to explain something takes a technique and an understanding. Insurance is very complex and um, understanding simple language and, and creating experiences around it uh, c- can, can really help our, our clients and obviously uh, impact on our advisors as well. Great, uh, and Sui,
0: how, how would you uh, reflect on the, the impact that your experience with startups say has, has changed the way you approach management?
3: It's interesting and actually quite personal. I was 11 years on the trading floor at Citi. And just from a practical standpoint, uh, on the trading floor, when you've got a very desk-centric, condensed, um, noisy environment where everyone's sitting next to each other and able to communicate very quickly, but also with very clear roles and responsibilities, the way that you communicate and the things that you communicate are very different. Um, when you're doing a trade, you don't spend two minutes talking about the vision and the goal for that trade. You give the instruction and it's done. You know, I moved across and jumped into this startup world. Um, and we're talking about a flat structure in a rapidly changing environment where you don't have very defined roles and responsibilities. We're talking about people wearing multiple hats. Given all of that, you also have all these opportunities that come your way. And you always constantly need to be defining what it is that your organization is looking to do and why you're doing it. And for that, that's been a personal challenge for me, um, and I'm slowly learning myself how to do that. Um, And the way that we look at it as managers at Nest is that we need to adopt a very collaborative way of management, which means no one is going to be the expert uh, at knowing what to do in any one particular case. Um, It's not possible things move too quickly and things are always new. Uh, What that means is what we try to do is that we constantly ask the team around us, "Okay, this is a situation. What do you think we should do? Um, And we come to a decision uh, based on that, applying other experiences, and we give it a go, frankly. Um, And and that's a a big shift in my own personal experience um, in terms of management and communication with my teams. Gavin,
0: Marina, Sui, thank you all very much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.
1: you.
0: Thanks for listening to the EIU Digital Economy Podcast. Tune in again next month when we'll be talking about new business models for the digital economy. To make sure you don't miss an episode, please subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Thanks again to our sponsors DXC, an independent IT services company serving over 6,000 clients across 70 countries. And thank you for listening.